Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information, inspiration, and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome to episode 7 of Best Me Radio and once again thanks for your ongoing support and the great feedback about last episode with Mike Fitch. I hope this got everyone curious about how to move better um, and hopefully it helped challenge some self-imposed limitations around movement and also wellness throughout the ages. So what's going on with Best Me? We have just launched some free training ideas and programs on the HealthFit uh, Collective page. That's www.healthfitcollective.co.nz. So please go along and check that out. If you're after some free information, I just did one on primal movement, actually, which is quite uh, in tune with the last episode. Um, Also, on the podcast, I've opened up an opportunity to ask questions to the interviewee in advance. So a day out from the interview, I'll let people know uh, who the person is. Um, add some links to their page and gives you the opportunity to send me some questions. Now, last week I got through three questions uh, to Daryl Edwards, the fitness explorer, which actually led into some really interesting uh, areas um, and some real gold there. So please tune in for that. Uh, You'll find that on Facebook. Usually I do a live post. I'll also do a little link on my Instagram feed. Now, today we have a really cool chat with... uh, an awesome inspiring guy, Dr. Brett Hill, who actually inspired me originally uh, through this uh, great barefoot presentation that he did. Um, this is a guy who really speaks my language, you know, from bare feet to, to parenthood and even led in some self-love there, um, which is really, really cool. Uh, this is a great guide to happiness uh, with some cool bits of, you know, foot science uh, and also some ideas around paleo food and also some myth busting to go with it. So please enjoy and send us your feedback. Brett Hill is a chiropractor. He owns his own Green Hill Chiropractor. He's an author of multiple books and eBooks, including How to Eat an Elephant. He's appeared on TV, on the radio. He's a coach and consultant. He hosts seminars. Brett hosts two of the most popular Australian podcasts, one being that paleo show that I was interviewed about a year ago off the top of my head, and The Wellness Guys. He's a barefoot and paleo advocate, which is all music to my ears. Brett, is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Oh, and- I've got heaps of things to that. I'm a, I'm a father. I've got two little kitties. That's that's probably my biggest achievement. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of things going on at the moment. There's lots of book writing and course production and events and adventures and all sorts of things happening at the moment. So we can talk about some of those as we go along, I reckon. Sounds pretty exciting. Um, Brett, so... Originally, I met you at the Mind Forum. Actually, I saw you speak at the Mind Forum, and I really enjoyed the way you simplify these potentially complicated issues and deliver everything in a really digestible way. I really enjoyed that, and I'm a bit of a geek, and I could imagine a lot of other people have been inspired by that too. The other thing, uh, reason I really felt like I connected with you um, was we shared similar stories. So we seem to be those sort of people that throw ourselves into uh, – you know, an event or a potentially <laughs> challenging situation just for the sake of it or with a purpose of learning uh, through pain. So my one was I decided to run my first marathon and I signed up six weeks out. It was a trail marathon and, and regarded as one of the hardest ones in the country, which I didn't know at the time. Uh, so six weeks preparation, it was extremely painful. I can't even uh, explain how painful it was, but it was also one of the most empowering uh, uh, moments of my life actually so I really got into a cool headspace what was your experience again just uh, and would you like to share that with the, uh, the community <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I'm, I'm, th- I'm sitting here thinking which one should I talk about because <laughs> I've had a couple right. of experiences kind of like that right where uh, where I just decided to take on challenges I do like taking on challenges I like the really the mental side of taking on challenges I, I like the growth that I get from that the learning I get from that and I guess I like the uh, my mind and and getting stronger mentally by taking on physical challenges and so yeah I've I've done a marathon I've done an ultra marathon um, I've run a 12, 12 and a half kilometer run on bitumen roads totally barefoot um, <laughs> so yeah so I've done a few like that but uh, yeah the one that probably closely most closely resembles the story you just said was yeah I went to I tried to do a um, 
a charity run where it was a 12.5k fun run um, along the roads uh, barefoot. And the first time I tried to do it, I did. I left myself about six weeks to prepare. And uh, and so, you know, obviously, I'd been running in my barefoot shoes quite a lot. So, I was used to, you know, barefoot running technique and, and, and the like. But I hadn't actually been running totally barefoot, certainly not on bitchin. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I thought, well, I'm going to have to slowly sort of, you know, I've got six weeks, so slowly-ish build up to that. And so, you know, I started rat training and, <laughs> you know, first few runs, I'd do 500 meters and then I'd put my shoes on, you know. And then, uh, you know, it was getting pretty close to the event, so I had to quickly up it to a K and then put my shoes on. And, you know, my feet were getting a little bit sore, but I was okay. And then I think I upped it to sort of three Ks and it was my feet were getting a bit abrased. <laughs> and then it was getting to sort of a week or two out from the event. I was like, well, I'm going to have to do at least one longer run. And I think I did about a 9K run without the shoes um, and just ended up with this enormous blood blister on the sole of my feet. <laughs> and so I think that year I ended up running the – it's called the City to Bay. And I ended up running the City to Bay with my shoes on because I just yeah. – I could barely do that. My feet were so sore. But <laughs> – at the time, I was the president of the Chiropractic Association in South Australia, and um, and so we'd organised a group to go running with the association, all these practice members from all different practices. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to run it. <laughs> so I put my shoes on and did it. And then the following year, I did actually do it as the charity run and uh, and gave myself a little bit longer and, and managed to do it totally fine, like no abrasions, no blisters. My feet looked perfectly normal at the end of the 12Ks, which I was very excited about. Fantastic. Uh, but it's one of these things, that, like as you said, it's just to prove that I could and because I yeah. like taking on the challenge yeah. um, as much for the mental side as the physical side. Yeah, yeah. I think we can apply that principle to many areas of life, you know. Yeah. Uh, when you experience uh, a pain or an obstacle, it's such a great opportunity to learn and grow. Um, Absolutely. And I'd love to dive into the barefoot stuff soon. But, but first up, I want to go back to uh, something you mentioned before. Uh, being a father, I can relate to you here as well. I'd like to know uh, what fatherhood has taught you and maybe how that has changed the way you look at the world and even even the way you act. Yeah. Oh, it's taught me so much. I mean, there's there's so many facets to being a father. But I think that the first thing I learned about being a father was probably um, when I started thinking about the concept of having kids. Um, it really made me think even more about my own health and wellness journey. You know, it, it gave me a totally different and I guess additional why for doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so, so all of a sudden, it was not just about me, but it was about me and these other people I was bringing into the world. Yeah. And so, that actually made me think and be a lot more conscious with the way I ate and the way I exercised because all of a sudden, there was, you know, I had these other plans mm-hmm. that I'd like to be able to do and, and things, you know, the kind of father I wanted to be to be, yeah. um, the kind of example I wanted to set for my kids and the kind of things that I wanted to be capable of doing with my kids. Exactly. So, you know, I wanted to be the kind of dad who could be really physical and really active with the kids yeah. and climb up and down on the playground and go on big hikes and yeah. kayaking and, you know, if we went for a big hike and my kids got tired, I wanted to be able to just throw them on my shoulders and keep going, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, it was really important to me. So, it gave me a different perspective. It gave me a different why for doing what I was That's doing brilliant. in terms of the food and exercise, which was yep. really cool. Yep. Um, I think it gave me an additional, um, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but it made me think more about uh, what sort of role model I was. Yes. Um, so, all of a sudden, rather than, um, you know, it, once again, it just being about me, it was about these kids that yep. I was bringing to the world. Yep. And not just in terms of, you know, people think of that and they think of role model in terms of, well, yeah, you have to be, you know, do more exercise and be stricter on your diet and all those sort of things because that's going to set a good example. But the other side of it, of course, is that you want to set a good example of your kids about what it means to love yourself um, and to look after yourself. Um, And so, it's not just about pushing yourself harder and pushing yourself to the absolute limits, but it's about doing it in a really healthy and responsible way, doing it in the way that you would like your kids to do it, right? Like, you don't want them to burn themselves out. You don't want them burning the candle at both ends and getting stressed and overworked and all those sort of things. You want them to have a a happy, healthy life. So, Mm. I think part of what comes into that um, is being kinder to yourself, uh, particularly when you have kids because, you know, you gain a whole new perspective around time as well where, you know, all of a sudden yes. your time isn't just your own. You know, all of a sudden you've got other responsibilities. You've got other things, you know, your schedule totally changes, your concept yep. of sleep totally changes, yep. <laughs> you know. All of those things change when you become a parent. And so the concept, I think, of being kind to yourself and loving yourself through that 
um, is really important and finding that really healthy balance. Um, and once again, I think that's a huge part of what you can role model to your kids yeah. is it's not just better, harder, faster. It's yeah. well, how can I find a healthy balance and a healthy way to incorporate this um, and and do that sort of do the exercise and eat the food because I'm loving myself, not because I feel like I have to or I should. That's fantastic. Um, for me as well, uh, I've always said to, to my clients actually, and I apply this to myself, is the best way to teach is to be. Um, and I think that's pretty much uh, your message there, isn't it? So, Absolutely. Your kids are going to listen far more to what you do than to what you say. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. That's great, Brent. Um, so we, we just had a little brief chat before. So you've conducted or you've been involved in many interviews. I think uh, we just ticked over 500. Is that right? Yeah, well, I, I just realized that I've now done over 500 podcast interviews. Um, so across the, the wellness guys and that paleo show, we've just ticked over 500, which is pretty cool. That's pretty impressive. Pat on the back for that. Amazing. <laughs> amazing number. I, I remember being um, I, I remember being involved in Jimmy Moore when he did his 1,000th podcast wow. and, uh, and he got us all to sort of come on and do a brief little spiel of, you know, congratulations, Jimmy sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, I just remember thinking like a 1,000, that's ridiculous. Like that's, that was so far out of my realm of possibility at the time. Yeah. But it yeah. kind of just occurred to me. I'm like, wow, I'm at 500. That's like halfway there. That's insane. That's very impressive. And so much wisdom you must have been exposed to there and knowledge. Um I'll be really interested in knowing, are there any common themes or ideas or even tools uh, that you've managed to, you know, observe from these people? And, and thinking about, you know, food, mind and movement, mm. are there any common yeah. themes? Well, I reckon one of the most common themes that's come through a lot of the podcasts has been that concept we just spoke about of being kind to yourself. Um, you know, whether it was we're talking to people about food or whether we're talking about exercise, whether we talked about mindset, that theme has run through with a lot of them. You know, I remember speaking to people uh, about exercise um, and I remember really early on in the wellness guys, we spoke to a guy called Dr. Jeff Spencer, who's a chiropractor um, and works with a lot of elite athletes. And one of the things he said was, you know, one of the things that differentiates the best of the best from the rest is that they're really good at recovery. Yeah, yep. they're actually really good at resting in between and not overdoing it. Yes, um, and that was just a really interesting concept in terms of exercise. To think, okay, well, it's not necessarily just the exercise; it's the mm -hmm. the rest and recovery that's really important. Yep. Um, you know, I think we've seen similar themes coming through with the food, where it's mm -hmm. you know, it's not about punishing yourself, punishing yourself or denying yourself. You know, it's really important that you're choosing to eat healthy food because you love yourself. Yes, and. And you're not, you know, being too strict with yourself. You're not having too many rules around that. You're allowing yourself to find what works for you and not try and be someone else and do someone else. So I think that concept of being kind to yourself has really come That's through. And, and also, I guess, the concept of finding what works for you, which kind of fits in really yes, the same sort yes, of idea, yes. um, is understanding that everyone is different and everyone does it in a slightly different way. And that's totally okay. Fantastic. Um, so I think that's a big one. I think the concept of, you know, making small changes has been something that's come through as well, that yep. where, you know, it's really important to understand where you're at um, and where you want to go. Yes. Um, but you've got to be really real with yourself about that. You know, there, there's no point trying to go from where you're at to where you want to be in one massive yeah. step because it rarely <laughs> works that way. It's really, it's not really an effective way of doing yeah. it. But it's really important to understand where you're at and just make small incremental changes. You yeah. know, set yourself up for success. So, you know, whether that's in the gym, you know, you're deadlifting 100 kilos, you don't go from 100 kilos to 200 kilos, you know, yeah. you, you go from 100 to 105, yeah. you know, 105 to 110, you know, you, you go up in small increments. That's and yeah. I think it needs to be that way, whether it's your, whether it's, you know, lifting weights, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's your diet, whether it's your mindset, mm. you know, just focus on making one small change and succeeding at it because that's what sets you up for success rather than trying to make massive changes mm. and then failing and ending up right back where you started. So I guess I think you could apply that first principle to the second as well, is that right? So you know a lot they're, of they're all see, part of the one principle, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's brilliant because you know a lot of people view, you know, attaining your results as a very linear progress uh, or process, but we all know that's not the truth. And yeah. you know, when you do derail or when something mm -hmm. doesn't go to plan, actually yeah. being kind to yourself, forgiving yourself and, and accepting it for what it is and, and understanding what you can learn from that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like all the best learning and growth comes when you fail um, or when you think you've failed Um, because it's never really failure. It's just it's just a growth, you know, a learning opportunity. And um, and and that's when you can learn the most about yourself. And that's when you can learn how to do it even better next time. And you Mm. learn what works for you and doesn't work for you. So, you know, learning to to fail forward is a really important skill as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. In terms of uh, movement. Are there any, you know, foundational movements or principles um, that people should be able to do or should be able to apply to their lives uh, on a daily basis? Well, it's really interesting. I think my concept of this has probably changed a bit over the last few years. Like mm. I, I used to really look at, um, you know, things like the CrossFit uh, skills and, and, you know, they talk about uh, certain movements you should be able to do, whether that's squats or, um, you know, certain lifts and that yep. sort of stuff. They talk about the different skills as well in terms of, um, you know, having cardiovascular ability but also having strength and power and agility and coordination and, uh, the, you know, all of the nine different skills in that regard. And, and I used to talk a lot to people about making sure they're developing all of those different skills and um, you know, I, I still think that's ideal. I still yep. think that's important. Yep. Um, but I think for a lot of people, that can seem really overwhelming and, and sometimes not really necessary for people. So, yep. you know, I, I spoke to someone on the weekend and, and they wanted to, um, you know, be able to go bike riding with their family, for example. Mm. Um, and so, they said, look, I, you know, I just really want to be able to ride with the kids. So, I'm thinking of taking up CrossFit so I can get really fit and do that. Now, I do CrossFit and I love CrossFit and yeah. I'm, I'm loving getting into it and doing those movements. I love pushing myself. I love challenging myself, yep. as That's I said, as much you. for the yep. mental as anything. Yeah. Um, but really, this person just wants to be able to ride their bike with their kids and they're thinking of going into CrossFit. And as I spoke to them, it sort of became obvious that there was a <laughs> conflict there. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't that what they, the activity they were thinking of taking on wasn't actually congruent with their goals. And so the challenge with that is that, that they're just not going to succeed at it. <laughs> like yep. that, that you're not going to go to CrossFit and punish yourself every yeah. you know, three times a week and doing yeah. full-on exercises, yeah. which are really intense and can yep. be really hard yep. and can leave you feeling really sore the next day yep. just to go bike riding with the kids. So I was like, well, look, you know, you need to be doing like cycling or swimming mm. or running or something like that that's going to help you build up your cardiovascular ability so that you can do what you actually want to do. You know, I said – Later on, you know, you might get really good at that and you might find that you want to challenge yourself further and you might find that you want to build up some, you know, physical strength. You know, you might find that instead of just bike riding with the kids, you might want to go kayaking, you might want to go rock climbing, you might want to, you know, do more stuff. And, you know, when you get to that stage, then CrossFit might be a good idea for you because you can develop some more capabilities. Um, but, but you know, the point of the conversation was that, you know, CrossFit's not for everyone. You know, doing um, – the, the broad range of fitness and, and having the capabilities of doing whatever you want, whenever you want, mm. um, is great for some people. Yep. You know, for other people, it doesn't fit in with actually what they want and their goals in life. And if it's not helping you achieve your goals in life, well, it's, it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, as much as I can look at it and say, you know, yes, it's going to help you be healthier. It's going to help you be stronger. You know, there, there are definitely benefits to having those extra yeah. capabilities. Um, but if it's not what you want out of your life right now, then you're kind of you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, you're, you're not, not going to have the motivation to go and exactly. You're not going to have the motivation to sustainably do it. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So you know, later in life, when you get to that position, you're ready to do it. Great. Um, but for now, do the activity and the exercise that's going to help you get what you want. That's brilliant. Um, I'm going to come back to one of those points there, but you're a big barefoot advocate. Um, would you like to talk us through why? And how, how someone might go about um, integrating into a barefoot way of, of being a little bit more in yeah. the modern day world. Well, <laughs> the, the, the barefoot running and the barefoot movement really just integrates with my entire philosophy around life and around health. And so, you know, I started as a chiropractor. One of my favorite principles about chiropractic is they say the body needs no help, just no interference. Um, and that as a, you know, when I first started getting into chiropractic, right. they just resonated with me so yeah. much. You know, this idea that our body's actually really, really smart. It's actually very, very intelligent. And so it's evolved over millions of years to be perfectly suited to its environment. Um, and so, you know, when you think about it from that concept, and that's why chiropractic made so much sense. You know, I'd always wanted to help people. Um, I'd always loved nature. You know, I love the outdoors mm, and camping that. and fishing yeah. and climbing and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And so... So this more natural approach to health always made sense to me. And so, 
that's really that's really the approach I've had through everything. You know, just being healthy naturally, um, and that of course made heaps of sense with the paleo lifestyle, but it yeah. also made heaps of sense with the barefoot lifestyle because. We evolved for millions of years without shoes, uh, yeah. and particularly without running shoes with built-up heels and arch supports yeah. and all those sort of things. And so, you know, I'd been, um, I'd had lots of, uh, I've, I'm very flat-footed. I'd had lots of knee troubles growing up. Um, I got to the age of about 13. I was having lots of knee troubles. I, got sent, I went to the doctor. He said, you should go to the podiatrist. Went to the podiatrist. The podiatrist put me in orthotics. And so I had orthotics for, I think it was about 17 years. Um, and so I was wearing these orthotics. And I was still getting the same knee troubles, you know, yeah. I was still having issues around it. Yeah. And then one day I remember speaking to someone and he said, well, you don't put back braces on people with back pain. Like you yeah. find out what's wrong with their back and you, and you correct it, it exactly. so that they can function normally. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, so why do you put orthotics under your feet? And I was like, that actually makes heaps of sense. And so yeah. I kind of felt a bit silly to be honest. I was like, well, I've been doing this for people's backs forever. Yeah. Yep. And why didn't I ever think about this in terms of my feet? And so what I realized was that, you know, there are some people who need support. There are some people yeah. who need orthotics. There's some people for various reasons, whether it's congenital anomalies, degenerative conditions, chronic diseases like diabetic neuropathies who can't do barefoot. And that's fine. Yep. Um, of course. But for the majority of people, you know, barefoot is the way your body's designed to move. You know, our body did evolve over millions of years to be perfectly suited to its environment. Yeah. And so there's a really clever architecture in your feet, in your knees, in your ankles, mm. in your hips that's designed to move that way. And that's actually the way it moves best. Yeah. And so when you mess around with that, you're messing around with nature. And so I often say to people, you know, if you went into a pristine rainforest, like the most perfect rainforest you could find prior to any human intervention, sounds like even. <laughs> yeah, like what could you do to that rainforest to make it better? And people absolutely go, well, yep. absolutely nothing. Like it's absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. It's in perfect harmony. You know, I could think I was making it better by adding some fertilizer at the base of a yeah. tree to help it grow better, but actually, what I'd be doing is throwing out the balance. Yeah, I'd actually the environment. Yep. And so we kind of get that when we look at those pristine natural environments, but we forget that our bodies are exactly the same. It's this perfect, pristine environment. And so anything we do to mess with that is going to adversely affect That's it. So, so I think that we just need to let our bodies move the way it's designed. You know, there's this really clever architecture in your feet um, that allows it. There's a spring mechanism in there that allows it to collapse a bit and then spring back. That's actually normal. You know, our bodies are, our feet are designed to land on the mid part of our foot, not have the heel slam down, which yes. actually sends massive jolts of force up through our hips and our knees and our ankles and our lower back, but actually land on the mid part of your foot and slowly lower your heel down. I mean, if people just think about what they do naturally, if they walk barefoot across the gravel, you don't slam your heel down on the ground, right? There's a reason for that. That's because it hurts, yep. right? Yep. It puts a lot of force back up through your foot and yeah. it's painful. By the same token, you don't stand right up on your toes because that hurts too, yeah. right? What yeah. you do is you land the middle part of your foot and you ease your heel yeah. down onto the ground. And so when you go barefoot, that's what you tend to do is you ease your heel down on the ground. You get a lot less force coming up through your body. Um, as well as that, you end up in better posture. You know, we've all yep. seen those infographics where you see a lady standing in high heel shoes mm. and how that affects her posture and everything else going up from there. Yep. But understand that any shoe you wear that has a heel lift in it, which is basically any running shoe and any casual shoe you'll find aside from the specifically marked barefoot shoes, um, any heel lift like that is actually going to have the same effect on your body. It's going to adversely affect your posture. Yep. Uh, Couple that then with what we know about the neurology of it, which yeah. is that it's actually these that. proprioceptors in your feet, which yeah. actually send messages back to your brain um, called proprioception. Now, proprioception we used to think was just about where your body is in space. Now we understand that it actually has an impact on your cerebellum, which, which micro-regulates everything in your body, including organ function and emotions and all sorts of different stuff. And we realize that those messages going back to your brain actually help to release dopamine and serotonin and actually help to de-stress your whole body. So there's heaps of benefits to going barefoot. Um, yep. As I said, there's a small percentage of people who shouldn't do it, but for the vast majority of people, there's lots and lots of benefits to going barefoot. And, and mm. you don't have to not wear any shoes. You can get these great barefoot shoes and get most of the benefit of going barefoot yeah, yeah. without actually having to you know step on the pebbles yeah. yourself <laughs> you I'm a little you bit of I'm with you there. there that's great so um yeah obviously the way I think about it is we've got these you know these sensory pads on the bottom of our feet that you know are the the tools we were given to interact with our environment you know they you know they tell us how hot what sort of texture how to move react and actually one yeah of my, well a one, great example 
a great yeah. example of that is that I used to do a lot of running in the national park when I was at uni, and I used to do it in traditional running shoes, and mm-hmm. they were like the top of the line, you know, $250, whatever they were, running yeah. shoes, which back in those days <laughs> was a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, and I used to roll my ankle all the time. Yes, like I can relate every, to this. Every month or two, I'd roll my ankle. And when I started going barefoot, I just it just stopped happening. I would I would find that I would as my foot landed on some sort of unstable surface, I would straight away notice it, feel it, lift yep. my weight off before it had the chance. Whereas before, I wasn't feeling the rock that I was landing on. I was just on a flat platform that that wasn't able to you know mold to the the surface, and my ankle would roll before it even realised it was happening. Yep. and it happened every couple of months that it happened to me, and and it hasn't happened since. I can I can relate. I did a hundred k walk again. I threw myself in <laughs> without training. I thought, oh, how hard can 100Ks be? It was broken down into about uh, six different uh, stages. And each stage, I tried a different form of footwear just for an experiment. And my first two stages, actually, sorry, I wore tramping boots. Oh, my God, it was horrific. I was rolling my ankle. My knees were feeling (laughs) horrible. My hips started getting sore. So I went to the other extreme after that, and I whipped my shoes off and did a bare foot, uh, two legs, actually. And it felt fantastic in some ways. Yeah. But my nervous system was shattered. I felt so tired yeah. afterwards. My body felt great <laughs> in some ways, but tired in many other ways. And then, yeah, I wasn't predicting to be walking over Scora and, and uh, volcanic rock. But yeah, that was <laughs> that was uh, an unplanned uh, stressor. But I felt great. And I thought I'll, I'll go for a happy medium um, for the last few. And I ended up uh, wearing my Vibram uh, five fingers and I felt really good. It was nice. a nice little in between. My The pads in my feet were protected, but I was also able to react and, uh, you know, um, stabilize my body and, and uh, felt really good. But it was quite an interesting experience. Um, I'm not a fan of hiking boots, but I thought, okay, you know, I was recommended them. I thought I'll give it a go. There might be something to this that I'm not aware of. Didn't make much sense uh, logically to me. Yeah. But yeah, horrible experience. <laughs> so I can completely. Yeah, I had, I had a similar one. I went to Norway a couple of years ago. With my first experience with snow. And so I had to go and get some snow boots. Oh, wow. And they had these massive built up heels yeah. in them. And, and I, the thing is, I had, it had been so long since I'd worn a shoe with any sort of heel lift in it. I literally looked like a lady <laughs> who was walking around in high heels for the first time. Like I was walking around with these weird, wobbly, bent knees. And it felt so wrong. It was hilarious. Yeah, that's brilliant. Hope you got video of that. <laughs> no, no video. No, survived that one. Yeah. I also think about, you know, you've got, was it 33 joints in your foot and ankle? Is that right? It's the same amount as your, your spine. Yeah, sounds about Cor- right. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, somewhere around that number anyway. You know, you wrap these things up, these feet up and these, uh, you know, these shoes. It, it's, it can't be good for the mobility and motility of our, of our body. Yeah. Let alone the sensory pads, you know, you immobilize these joints. And as we know, you know, over, over time, we know we get this, these adaptive um, reactions. So just in terms of uh, mobility as well, it can't be too beneficial wearing shoes all yeah. day. Joints are designed to move, you know, and when joints aren't moving properly, that's when degeneration happens. Mm-hmm. And the research shows that pretty clearly. So you need to keep them moving it. And they just, if you don't move them, then you lose that capability. It literally is move it or lose it because yep. you lose the capability of, you know, not just the joints, but the surrounding muscles and ligaments and tissues. They, they all change as a result of that lack of motion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to um, sidetrack a little bit here and I'm going to come back to food. Obviously, paleo is um, very, it's very fashionable now. Uh, which is great in my opinion, but it's very open to interpretation. Uh, What is your take on it? The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it's, once again, it's just, it's a natural approach to food. You know, I think think the biggest misunderstanding with paleo is that people have this idea of, of what it is that isn't necessarily right, you know, and they don't understand that there's lots of different versions of paleo. So, you know, if you look back in time and, and look back at some of the, the cultures, you know, if you go to Papua New Guinea, for example, there, there was a tribe there and their paleo diet was like 80% split potatoes. You know, mm. they're, they're actually quite a high-carb uh, yeah. paleo. You know, you go to the Inuits and they were really eating blubber. You know, they were, yeah. they were eating just about entirely fat, right? Yeah. So, you know, some people get a bit stuck on well, is it high carb and is it low? Is it high fat and yeah. you know, all those different approaches to paleo? And I can talk about you know some of the benefits of di- taking different approaches in a second. But I think what people really need to understand is the the core of it is it's just getting back to eating real food. Yeah, you know, just eat. I real think food. one of the 
the biggest challenge we have is if we overcomplicate it too I much. Agree. And so we start thinking and, and part of this I think is to do with social media. So totally. you know, if you follow someone who eats a paleo diet, um, you know, what you don't see on social media is that ninety nine percent of their meals are really freaking boring. Yeah. Right? Like you know, I get up in the morning and most mornings I have scrambled eggs with lots and lots of veggies in it and some bacon, you know. That sounds pretty spectacular my, to me. <laughs> my, yeah, but my lunch is like, a you know, really simple, some cold meat, some simple fruit and vegetables. You know, yep. my dinners, me of my dinners are exactly the same, like some sausages, some sweet potato chips, some broccolini, you know, meat and three veg, maybe some honey mustard chicken and a salad. But like, yep. it's like literally just meat and three veg. It's really simple and it's really boring. Now, the thing with social media is I don't go around posting meat and three veg three times a day every single day because that gets really boring to look at. Yep. So. If you look at my posts on social media, you'll see the occasional meat and three veg post, but what you'll mostly see is when I do something that's different to that. You know, yeah. I might make a special cake for my kid's birthday or, you know, yeah. we might have some fun experimenting with some different nut balls or whatever. And so if you look at that and you think, wow, this paleo has got to be complicated, you know, yeah. I've got to make a three-tiered cake and I've got to do, you know, this 21-ingredient recipe and all that sort of stuff, whereas the reality is it's simple. It's it's meat and three veg. And, uh, and I think that's what people sort of can get a bit misconstrued with sometimes. And so, you know, obviously understanding paleo, the, the, you know, Sometimes people get a bit confused. I say, just eat real food. And I think, oh, that's great. That means I can eat whatever, you know, as long as it grows in the ground. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, wheat or whether it's dairy or whether it's arsenic or, you know, whatever. We just, yeah. just eat it because it's natural, <laughs> right? Um, so it's not everything natural. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really getting back to what we traditionally ate, right? So, you know, totally. not too many opioids, not too many, hmm. you know, because <laughs> well. if you really think about it, like natural can include all of those things. Right? They all grow in the ground. Um, but the reality is we didn't eat much of those things uh, if you go back. If you go back more than about 10,000 years, we didn't really eat much dairy. We didn't really eat much wheat because, A, wheat is pretty hard to process. It takes a lot of work mm. to get the stage from actually the hard little kernel of wheat to bread. That takes a lot of processing. And, you know, it's not like we had fields and fields and fields of wheat like we do now. It, it was more sparsely, um, yeah. you know, spread around. Quite genetically um, different, wasn't it? And it was very genetically different yeah. to, to what we've uh, modified now, which is, you know, if you listen to Cindy O'Meara has a great movie, What's With Wheat, and you can hear all the differences there. But it's a very different species now to what we ever would have eaten, even if we did eat a little bit of wheat. And, uh, and you know, the dairy is pretty obvious. Like if you yeah. look at a wild wildebeest, you know, they're pretty scary creatures. They're not like the big, fat, docile cows we see now. They're, they're like muscular beasts yes. with massive horns. And if you were out in the middle of a prairie and saw one of those things, the last thing on your mind would be, <laughs> I wonder if I can stop and squeeze its teeth, you know? <laughs> like you, you just wouldn't be going there. And so I don't think we had dairy much prior to 10,000 years ago either. And so, you know, understanding that and saying, well, okay, well, if our bodies are designed to be perfectly suited to their environment, if we evolved over millions of years to be really mm. good at that, then, you know, maybe if we get back to replicating that because, it, you know, the, the, the 10,000 years that we've stopped doing that is a very, very, very short time evolu from an evolutionary perspective. You know, yeah. people say that if, uh, if uh, the period of humanity, if I was to put my hands out at my, you know, straight out at my side and say, you know, from fingertip to fingertip is humanity and how long we've been around for, then the last 10,000 years would be the equivalent of the shavings on the end of my fingernail. Mm. Right. So, so that's, yeah, people think, oh, 10,000 years, that's ages. Yeah. People say, we've been eating wheat since the Egyptians, but the Egyptians comparatively were around a very, very, yeah. very short period of time ago. I know it's a hard concept for people to get around because you think that was ages ago, but actually it was relatively recently when you mm. look at human evolution. So, understanding that over those millions and millions of years of evolution, we evolved to be perfectly suited to that environment. And then the environment included lots and lots of real food, not so much wheat and dairy. Um, and a good variety of, you know, different seasonal fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's the other misconception about paleo is people think it's all meat yeah. and it's really not. You know, it's a, it's a heavily plant-based, particularly a heavily vegetable-based diet um, with some good quality meats, um, some nuts and seeds and some fresh mm -hmm. water thrown in. So those, I guess, are probably the misconceptions about paleo. But really, just eat some real food. Just get back to simple stuff and get back in the kitchen and get back in the garden. That's fantastic. Know where your food comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've noticed you you would have seen this uh, time and time again. How once those habits are re-established, you know, through eating real food, generally hunger disappears. You, your energy level improves. This is a, a, a broad stroke, of course, and yeah. the ability to move more 
uh, increases as well. So I've literally seen people turn their lives around uh, just through making a few basic food changes. Uh, yeah. Using some of the principles you just said then, you know, some good quality vegetables, some good fruits, some nuts, seeds, and some quality meats. Um, and yeah, I've noticed people turn around there, their inflammatory states, drop weight, really start enjoying movement and life again. Um, yeah, so it can be quite empowering and it's not that Absolutely. Hard. Well, because the body's extraordinary and, and that's the thing. We've forgotten how clever our body is and we've, we've forgotten that our body needs no help, no interference, that our body's actually capable of quite extraordinary health mm. and quite extraordinary healing if we just give it a chance. And so, you know, we don't need to fix our bodies. We don't need to change our bodies. We just need to give our body what it needs um, and none of what it doesn't need. Yep. And it's actually really incredibly good at healing most yeah. of the time. And, you know, I guess that, that probably comes back to what I was saying before. You know, we talk about sort of high carb and high fat. You know, some people who've done uh, damage to their body, particularly damage to their metabolism, their sugar regulation, those sort of things, do benefit from going on what is more of a high-fat paleo diet and then seemingly can get really good results in terms of inflammatory disorders. And, you know, you look mm. at someone like Terry Walls with her multiple sclerosis yeah, and you, you realize that there are benefits to going that way. Um, so, you know, some people will want to lean towards more of a high-fat, low-carb approach and that's okay. Uh, but not everyone has to do that either. You know, most of the time, I find that 99% of the results you'll get are from doing the really simple things really well. Fantastic. In terms of mind, um, are there any ways you, when you're dealing with people one-on-one -on -one or even in a group setting, are there any questions or uh, you encourage people to ask themselves or are there any tools you use on a regular basis? Once again, you know, simple, <laughs> broad stroke here, but yeah. um, is there anything you'd like to comment on? Honestly, on the, the one question I probably ask people over and over and over again is why. Great. You know, and that's probably the one question I ask myself over and over and over again. You know, when you understand why you want to do what you want to do, then everything else flows from that. You know, we, we talk about this a lot on the weekend. Actually, we had the Wellness Breakthrough, which was an amazing retreat mm -hmm. we held in the Dandenong Ranges with the Wellness Couch. And, and this is what we kept talking to people about. You know, there, there's... You know, we, we always focus on the tactics. You know, we always focus on the, the tool we're going to use to try and make the change. Um, but really, first, you need to focus on the why. And when you understand why you want to do what you want to do, then you'll figure out how to do it. You know, right. figure out how is easy. You can find a thousand different solutions on YouTube or Google or wherever nowadays. You know, you'll find experts to help you. You'll find friends to help you. You'll find... Yeah, once you realize why you want to do it and then figure out what it is that you want to do, then then figuring out how to do it is actually the easiest part of the process. Um, but you've got to get that why down pat first. That's awesome, man. Now, that leads quite nicely into the, the next one. So, uh, with Best Me, um, it's all about uh, information and it's done through education, inspiration, you know, so you can act on it, whether that comes from within or from the outside, maybe both, and tools. But I find immersion-based learning uh, the most effective because once you experience something, you can't unexperience it. So you yep. have run a few retreats now, is that right? Yeah, yep. Um, could, you, could you comment on how effective uh, they are in general? Yeah, they're amazing. I mean, we really get a chance. I mean, the, the weekend was a perfect example where we just got to see people make Huge transformations and, and, you know, not transformations in terms of, I guess, taking that action because mm. that takes time. Yep. You know, it takes time to develop new habits and it takes time to develop new skills and, and to learn new tactics. You know, that stuff takes time. But what can change in a moment is your beliefs, is, is your why. And mm. when you get really connected with that, then, then you can go away knowing how you need to do and what you need to do to develop the skills and the habits to make the change. And when you're motivated to do that, then you know that's going to happen, you know. And so when you get someone in that environment of a retreat and you have them there for three days and you've got a chance to really delve into some of those deeper issues and, and break down some of those deeper issues, you know, men, mm. often the issues that people don't even realize are there. Uh, but when you put them in that environment and put them in a you know somewhat challenging environment, you know yep. we do we get them up early in the morning, we do exercise, and honestly, we we deliberately do things that are going to push people's buttons. You know, yeah. so yep. so we develop exercises and tools and events and high ropes courses and you know That's things definitely. that are going to push people's buttons. We don't tell people what we're doing or when we're doing it. You know, we deliberately yep. keep them in the dark so that <laughs> I like that. so that. It's, 
it sparks those mental thoughts that happen when they get to periods of stress, and, and yeah. it replicates what happens in the real world when they're struggling, when when they you know when they hit that barrier and they don't they can't break through it, mm. and that gives you an opportunity to see how they react in that situation, to see what are the thoughts that are holding them back, what are the beliefs that are holding them back, so that then you can actually delve into that and work through that with them and help them see. The actual reason, the actual, you know, because usually it's not what they think is holding them back. It's not yeah. actually what's holding them back. Yeah. So, you know, the classic was talking to a girl on the weekend and she was talking about how, you know, she said, I'm really, really mentally strong. You know, I'm really mentally strong, but it's my body that holds me back, right? Now, mm. we'd literally just done a high ropes course where we were climbing through the trees. We were, you know, scooting across on flying foxes. We were climbing from obstacle to obstacle and it was physically challenging. Like, I found it hard myself. Um, and this girl had killed it. Like she'd smashed her way across this course. <laughs> and here she is sitting in front of me saying, I'm really, really mentally strong, but it's my body that holds me back. And I'm looking at her going, really? <laughs> Didn't really you know. Was, was it your body that held you back on that obstacle <laughs> course? She's like, well, no, but. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 you can't say but. You know, <laughs> but, you know, you're negating what you just said. I'm like, was it your body that held you back? And she's like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, what held you back? She's like, well, it's my mind, but I'm really physical. You know, I'm really mentally strong, you know. And so she had this story about herself, which was I'm wow. incredibly mentally strong. And I know that in you know many aspects of her life, that is absolutely true, but it's not true in all aspects of her life. And in this occasion, in this situation, it was actually her mind that was holding mm. her back. And so you know, it was a, it's a great opportunity in that environment for people to have those realizations and then go. Oh wow! You know, I didn't even realize that was a problem. You know, yeah. we we talked about the phases of learning. You know, where the first phase of learning is unconscious incompetence. Yeah, you, you don't actually know that you don't know. Like you don't actually know that you don't know how to do it, or or what's mm. actually holding yeah. you back. And and in that environment, you're able to take people from unconscious incompetence totally. to conscious incompetence, which is now I actually know there's a problem there, and then start moving them towards conscious competence, which is well, okay, now I've learned some strategies to deal with that, and I can do it, but I really have to think about it. Yeah. And then when they go away from there, then they can start working towards con unconscious competence, which is when you just do it without having to think about it. You know, you yeah, get in the car, you drive, it. you get to your destination, you go, crap, how do I get here? <laughs> you know, because yeah. you just, it's just automatic. It just happens, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you yeah. can't get to that stage in the retreat environment, but you can create those real shifts from mm. unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence to conscious competence. And, and that really sets people up for, you know, their journey for the next, you know, however long, 12 months or, or years on from that point where they can keep continuing to grow and evolve. That's good. Yeah, I've, I've run a few retreats myself now um, with other people as well. And it's exactly what I found is it, it plants some seeds. And it's really interesting watching those those seeds flourish and grow. Um, really cool. Well, you know, we, we've done it for... Well, we've done it for three years in a row now, so we've had the opportunity to have people who've come back each of those three years and, and see their growth and their change, and it's awesome. It's, it's so just good. fascinating to see them come back 12 months later as different people and, mm. and often going, okay, I got that bit. You know, I've got this area yeah. of my life sorted out. Now I've come to do this bit, you know, yeah. and because yeah. and, there's always more layers to it, but, totally. you know, but it's it's you know, it's a, it's a lifelong process. There's yeah. no such thing as being done when it comes to personal yeah. development. <laughs> you know, there's always more stuff you can work on. Totally. Um, but, but seeing their progress in, in that particular area of their life uh, is really It's so rewarding. empowering, isn't it? For I mean, as a, as a, a host of it as well, I, find it, I found it such an amazing environment to be in, really oh, inspiring I find, as well. I find the, the people incredibly inspiring. Yep. I mean, on the weekend, the ability of those people to really delve deep into what mm. was some pretty full-on stuff and yep. some pretty amazing issues and to tackle it head-on and to deal with it when we really challenged them on stuff. You know, there yeah. were times where people were talking and communicating and we were calling them out going, bullcrap. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's not true. You know, um, you need to delve deeper into that. You need to find out what the real reason is because, you, you know, what you're saying isn't congruent with what you're doing and, yeah, we pushed them and we challenged them, and uh, and it was incredible their ability to deal with that and to take that on board and to work through it and to have some amazing realizations. It was it's so inspiring to watch people who are willing to do that work yeah. and willing to take it head on and make those changes and can often um, empower other people as well. Incredible. That's what I love seeing. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, in that environment, the I think you know much of, if not most of, the growth came from what people learnt from other people in the group, yep. rather than what they learnt from us. Yep, totally. That's awesome. Could you talk us through? Um, you've got uh, Kokoda coming up soon. Would yeah. you like to talk to us a little bit about that? It sounds super well, it's interesting a, it's a, and super exciting. 
it's a perfect example of what we're just talking about. Yeah. So, you know, this year is going to be the 75th anniversary of Kokoda. So, we thought it would be a great time wow. to go and do the Kokoda track. So, for the, you know, Aussies and New Zealanders, you know, the Kokoda was a, was a really important part of our history and, a, and an amazing, you know, I don't know how much you've read of the story, but I've read a couple of books on Kokoda and just an incredible journey and an incredible um, effort that, that, that those uh, those soldiers made uh mm. To repel the attacks and to and honestly just to survive in that harsh environment was incredible. Um, so right. you know we're we're doing it the easy way. We don't have people <laughs> shooting at us or you know any of those sort of things. Uh, but but still, it's it's a challenging trek. You know, it's yeah. a it's a physical and emotional challenge, um, and that's what we want. So you know, we're we're taking off on a seven day adventure to take people along the Kokoda trek. Um, we're going to be setting everyone up to win because that's really crucial. So, you know, we're investing a lot of time in doing webinars beforehand, um, doing, um, you know, one-on-one coaching calls with everyone beforehand to make sure that mentally and physically they're prepared for where they need to go. Um, We're going to draw up personal exercise plans for everyone to make sure that they're absolutely in peak condition to do it. Um, and, and we're going to, you know, help everyone every step of the way to make sure that, you know, not only do they get an amazing um, sense of achievement from taking on the challenge, but actually they have that ability to see the lessons in it and to see what happens when they challenge themselves. What are the things that hold them back and what are the thoughts that hold them back and how they can work on not just the physical side, but the mental and emotional side and maybe the diet side as well um, to make sure that it's not just a you know, it's not just a one-off experience of like, oh, that was great. I did it. I took a challenge. I achieved it. But it's something that's going to change the way they look at the entire rest of their life and every single challenge they have. And every time something comes up for them from here for the rest of their life, they'll have the ability to deal with that in a different way. Uh, that sounds amazing. Um, so exciting. Just just so you all know, I'll add the, the links in the show notes so um, you can find yes. him there. On that note, what else are you working on at the moment, Brett, and where can people find you? Yeah, so the best spot to find me is at my website, which is drbretthill.com, um, and they'll find all the details about Kokoda Elevation, which is the name of our retreat. Oh, it's not a retreat. It's probably not the right word for our adventure <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, so I'll find all those details. Um, they'll also find my books and e-books, so my Barefoot Running books and um, my Electrolyte Drink book and my Nourish Without Nagging, which we haven't spoken about, but that's my kids' eating book. I'm so I'm working that. on those. Um, I'm speaking to – well, I'm in the process of getting that book published by uh, Primal Blue print publishing which is Mark Sisson's publishing house which I'm super excited about that's going to be awesome Um, I'm also in the process of writing another book on um, well it's called Rock Bottom so it's all about some of the challenges I've gone through over the last three years in terms of uh, divorce and separation and mental challenges around that Um, and I'm writing that book for Hay House at the moment so they've just asked me to write the next few chapters which is really exciting so that's all systems go um, I'm also writing a, a barefoot running e-course. So um, I'm taking all that stuff we've spoken about in terms of barefoot, including you know how to prepare, what exercises and stretches to do, um, you know how to build it up, what to do in terms of technique, um, you know how to know when your technique's right and when it's not right. A whole bunch of expert Sounds interviews, great. people people like Kelly Starrett. Um, mm. Wow. experts from all around the world doing expert interviews as well. So that e-course is going to come out in the next couple of months. So if people are interested in that, they should go and sign up for my newsletter at drbrenthill.com and they'll get first uh, the first port of call in terms of all the information for that. Um, and then, yeah, obviously just the podcasts which are ongoing. Um, so, um, you know, the Wellness Guys and, and that Paleo show which are all on the Wellness Couch which we're welcoming you on to, Carl, which is really exciting. Yeah, and uh, so they find all that stuff at thewellnesscouch.com and it's all there. I love listening to both of those podcasts actually and every week <laughs> I, I, I tune in. So there's so much uh-huh. wisdom there. Um, just another question. Do you actually sleep at all? <laughs> you've, got so, <laughs> you've, got so, you've got so I many do. projects on the go. <laughs> It's true. And, and you know, what I've found, we, we spoke about sort of loving yourself and balance and those sort of things earlier. And, you know, what I've found nowadays is that I'm not as strict with myself on deadlines. Um, nice. You know, I've found that, you know, I, I've set my goal that I want to write those books. You know, I've set my goal that I want to, you know, finish that e-course. And, you know, to be honest, originally I wanted that e-course. So I was going to goaling to have that e-course finished by January. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's now late February. I haven't done yet, uh, but I'm okay with that. You know, it was school holidays. I didn't kind of allow for that how much, you know, having the kids for school holidays yeah. ate into my time. 
Um, you know, I've got a new partner. We've been traveling backwards and forwards between Melbourne. Um, you know, there, there's all sorts of other stuff that's come into that, which I wouldn't change for the world. Um, that's meant that, you know, it's taken me longer than I thought. And previously, I would look at other people who are being really productive and see, wow, this person's, you know, producing ebooks and they've got all this stuff happening. Why are they getting it done so quick and it's taken me longer? Um, and now I've realized that, you know, we're all in different situations. You know, I, I do have my kids 50-50. So, you know, 50% of the time I'm a, I'm a single dad looking after the kids and, and investing the time in that. Right. And, you know, fortunately now this I've time, got my new partner helping yeah. me out a lot. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, that, that, that means that, you know, I don't have as much free available time as perhaps someone who's young and single and has no kids. Right, you're, you're, you know? doing, you're doing pretty damn well. <laughs> yeah, so, just, once again, it comes back to being kinder to myself. I'm yeah, kinder to myself now. Um, I understand that if it takes me a month to make the book, that's okay. If it takes me six months to make the book, if it takes me 18 months, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm going to get it done as best I can, as quick as I can. Brilliant. And um, But I give myself the time to sleep and to rest and to recover in between. And if I need a day off and I need a midday nap, then I'll take it. Good on you. Um, and I think that's a really important part of the journey is being kinder to yourself in that regard as yeah. well. Well, um, the last question I have for you, actually, if you were to inject the entire world's population with one message a piece of information or even you know a tool what would that be it's it's exactly what i've yeah, just said i, I thought it might I've be said it about eight times this podcast but <laughs> it's just to be kind to yourself you know yeah. love yourself and yeah. and everything you do should come from that place of being kind to yourself and loving yourself whether it's the way you eat whether it's the way you move whether it's the way you think whether it's the way you raise your kids you know everything i think comes from that and so I think if you can focus on loving yourself and, and really, you know, love is an action. Love is something you do. So if you want to change that conversation you're having with yourself, focus on what you can do. What, what can I do for myself that will make me feel loved? What can I do for myself? You know, because it, it's not something that's going to come from other people. It has to come from yourself first. And it's not until you find it for yourself that you're actually going to be able to find it from other people. So what can I do for myself that helps me show myself kindness and makes myself feel mm. loved? And and that can be as simple as you know being kind to yourself in terms of your schedule. It can be sitting down and writing in your journal some things that you love about yourself. It can be celebrating your wins when you mm. when you achieve stuff. You know, just whether that's just writing them down in your journal or whether that's buying yourself a gift to celebrate you know it's um it's really it's doing those things for yourself that you would love someone else to do for yeah. you um yeah that's that, that all those they're, they're all little ways to build that self-love and just like building a muscle in the gym you know if you build that up every single day then it gets stronger and stronger um and it's amazing that once you build that up within yourself um the way that starts to bounce back at you from yeah, everyone else around that. you as well what a powerful and beautiful message. Thanks. Um, thanks for sharing that. And I challenge everyone listening to this to 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 practice that on a daily basis. Um, thanks again, Brett, for, for coming on the show. Uh, so many gold nuggets there. I'd love to dive into a lot of that in a lot more depth, but obviously we're limited by time. And I know you're a busy man, so I won't take up any more of it. That's um, right. And and you know, if people want to continue the conversation, they can, you know, they can find us on social media, you know, Facebook and Instagram, I'm on a lot. So they can uh, you know, they can post and chat any questions and conversations there as well. Fantastic. Hey, thanks again, Brett, um, for coming on the show. Um for everyone listening, uh head on over to the Wellness Couch and have a look at their podcast. Tune in to Best Me. And also you can head to bestme.co.nz and you can find us on Facebook and that's Best Me Community. If you just search that, you'll find us there. Also on Instagram as Best Me Community. So please go and check out the show notes on this amazing podcast. And thanks again, Brett, for, for coming on. Thanks, buddy. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.